Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot, Mr. Graybeard, the Ducktator, the man of many names. How you doing tonight, Elliot? Hey, season started. I got two hunts under my belt. I got, uh, what, eight teal under my belt? I'm super happy. <laughs> and we got another. <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow for the next teal trip, so everything is going great. Man, it feels like... It feels like I've lived a lifetime since the last podcast, which was just yeah. a week ago. Like, I mean that. And, like, it feels like it's been, like, a month. That's how much stuff I've jam-packed in this last week. So I feel exactly the same way. I mean, it's, like, rushed out there Friday because I couldn't take off work because I got the stupid sickness. Rushed out there Friday. Crossed a huge lake I had never been on in the dark. Three-mile <laughs> ride. Hunted, camped two nights, rushed back. I did have Monday, which was nice. I worked all day Monday on video one, worked all day on Tuesday on video two. Here I am on the podcast and leave tomorrow. So it's just yeah. like that's, packing again, repacking. It's just that's literally crazy. how it feels like hunting season. That's hunting season in a um in, in a uh, little blip. Pretty much our schedules because we hunt over the weekend and then it takes two to three and if you're lucky you don't have the third day of editing to get the videos out from the weekend we do the podcast on wednesday then you pack and you leave on friday (laughs) so yeah oh man but it's awesome we love the grind um and so we we got uh on exxon tonight so we're super super duper pumped to have them on the podcast this week so you guys are just gonna have to hold off a little bit we just talked about it we're gonna do our first hunt update podcast we're gonna talk all about the stories of the hunts um, you know, we got a lot. I, mean, I don't know if we'll, we'll make a two podcast or one, um, but we got a lot we're of gonna hunts. have a bunch of hunts to talk about. <laughs> we got a lot of hunts. I, I'll have four. You'll have 30 <laughs> You hunt three times a day. Well, you know, I mean, how much can you talk about a dove hunt? We walked out into the silage, the doves flew in over the spinners and we shot them. Like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of things to talk about when you talk about dove hunting. So most of my hunts, there's not a lot to talk about, but you know, we talk about the, the goose hunts and that's what I'll have under my belt, um, you know, for the hunt update podcast and and all that kind of good stuff for sure. But you know, to give give some minor updates, uh, we talk about the bus a little bit, Elliot. Um, what you've been thinking on when you see those on the we've, we've been doing it on the Marco Polos a little bit. I think it looks great. I I'm, I'm had my, it looks so it's looking so much like a real thing that. I was watching and I was like, man, I can't wait till I get to walk in that thing. And if it's going to look like different than on these Marco Polos, like size wise, you know, how you like, you see some oh, yeah. video and then in real life, it looks a little different, but how, it's, it's flushing out. It's how flushing tall out. are you? Six foot and a half inch. Okay. So it's like going to be like right at the top. It's literally about like, I would say it's like six one. So it's like <laughs> you can walk right down the middle. That's one thing I was like yeah, concerned perfect. about, you know? Um, but like Swamp Man, he's like six three, man. So he's got to like hunker down. And Is like, he oh. really Swamp Man six three? Yeah, dude. I didn't a, think he was that big. He's a giant. Hmm. You should see him. Like he's his uh, his kayak is a sun dolphin. It looks hilarious when he gets. It. Oh my gosh, he's <laughs> dying that thing. <laughs> well, we don't go anywhere crazy. Um, and he he, I got I got Isn't that sun dolphin like a Walmart thing. Yeah. Yep. 
that isn't that supposed to be like used in a pool? No, no, no. It's like there's like a, like a sun. Matt used to use a sun dolphin, <laughs> like a sun dolphin ten or twelve. There's like use the Matt is your evidence. Okay, I'm just saying that they're like the cheapest Walmart version uh, kayaks you can get, and a lot of people start with those, and they're usually like neon, like green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't mean to slam on anyone that uses a sun dolphin. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably next thing you're gonna say is only people in Louisiana use them. Or <laughs> I was checking, um, uh, doing a little research, and and Walmart does sell more sun dolphins in the South. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, we're gonna need fact checkers on this, except for their own BS. So, oh man, that's a good one. You got me for oh, a second. Speaking of good ones, that meme you did of Matt today. I laughed out loud for about 30 seconds. The one uh, <laughs> where I photoshopped myself in there. Yeah. <laughs> like you're taking him hunting for his first time ever. Oh, I, I got that one. Yeah, I got lots of messages. People loving that one. I got one guy. I wasn't sure. Like, I wasn't sure if he was joking or not, but he's like, um, he's like, we love getting our youth out. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he knew the inside joke or if he actually thought like I was taking out somebody young for their first time. For those of you that don't know, Jordan likes to tease Matt Hyper Sportsman through memes. And Matt had a video of himself with some tea or a, a picture of himself a picture. with some teal. Jordan thought, put uh, himself in there and did the whole write up like Jordan was taking this kid out hunting <laughs> for the first time that didn't know how to duck hunt. Maybe someday he would learn. I was super proud of him. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the picture worked perfect because he's just like cheesing hard and yeah, holding this one little blue wing <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> I, I worked hard to like make the mesh, like adjust the lighting and all that, and the the Photoshop. So, but yeah, yeah. you see, uh, you see, he copied my Instagram post too, word for word. No, man, I've been so busy. <laughs> I haven't even watched your video yet. I've, I, I'm like, I have been so busy that. I haven't been able to consume anything. Yeah, I hear you. It's been go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got all packed up tonight, right? I was rushing to Oops. get packed up for tomorrow's trip right before we got on here. I, I got it all done. I'm all ready. I'm all ready to go. Nice. Awesome. Well, I think that care, takes care of some of our updates. Um, you're going to be back on the till this weekend. Is it uh, this one This one back local? Yep. It's the Kansas opener, and we got Joel Strickland from Surviving Duck Season coming, um, Jake from Chasing Green. Danny Boy's going to be there. My dad's going to be there. Golden Boy's going to be there. So it's going to be a great – it's going to be really fun. We got an Airbnb. Um, we're going to scout all day Friday, hunt Saturday, Sunday. So I'm really, really looking forward to just being around that group of guys. So, awesome. And I, th- I think we'll do well on the hunting too. I really do. There you go. You going? Uh, do you want to say like what part of the state, or is that like uh, something that it's kept under wraps? Yeah, it's in it's in the state somewhere. Okay, that's all right. In the state somewhere. You can tell me later. I was just curious, but y- yeah. All right. I mean, you know, you know, you know where it is. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. But if you say that yeah. way, then I think maybe I do. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking all cryptic. Um, but yeah. So then our opener is this weekend as well. So actually, I need to. It's oh, man. Sometimes it's uh it's a pain in the butt um being so busy cuz it's like harder to scout. So um I need to get out and try to get on some some scouting missions because I mean it's sad I mean tonight's Wednesday so I got the next two nights to to 
um, nail something down as far as what I'm going to get after. But I definitely want to get out on my opener. Last year we got some teal on the or, river. Teal or early geese? It's both, but we don't really we don't really look for teal. So because they're do you still have your camera at the snake swamp set up? Um, I don't. No, I took them out of there. You should have it there because you might be able to see some teal on there. Yeah, I should probably go back in there and check. Um, we hadn't had any, obviously, because they, well, they don't, I don't think they, they roost in there and all that kind of, or they don't, uh, well, they do roost in there, but I, that's not what I meant to say. They don't stay in there all season, kind of like the wood ducks and, and some of the geese do. Um, but the till move out and go, they go further north. Um, but yeah, I got to find something. Last year we got them on, on the river. So that's probably where I'll be, uh, that's probably where I'll be scouting it out, but looking forward to looking forward to that opener here as well. And, and we'll be after it, but let's go ahead. Um, before we get Ben in here from Onyx, let's go ahead and get a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx guys. If you're not using Onyx and the guys in your area, I always like to say this cause it's true. If you're not using it and the guys in your area, are using Onyx, you're 100% at a disadvantage. Onyx, right on your phone, anywhere you go, you can look at the proper property boundaries. You can look at the public land and private land boundaries. You can know where you stand and know if you're on public land that you're safe to hunt, you're good to hunt, you're good to go. Um, you can drop all the waypoints you need out in my summer scouting. I will go, I'll go around to those public land places and put things down that you're going to need in waterfowl season. Um, right there in the palm of your hand, you got all the maps that you need. When you go in some of these public land areas too, you don't have cell service. You can download it ahead of time and and uh, go from there, and you'll have it right there. Open it up. It goes off the satellite, and you can see exactly wh- where you are all the time. So check them out, guys. Onyx, on the phone, on the web. Yeah, it's great. It's a wonderful, wonderful system. Um, guys, you have heard by now, Jordan and I have set up a Patreon account. We had this whole big hunt giveaway. It's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. We've got a lot of extra content over there. And one of the perks, if you sign up over there, is getting a membership to Freelance Hunt Stats. And Freelance Hunt Stats is a place to log all of your hunting information, keep track of the birds that you harvest, what the weather, what, what the weather patterns were, um, all sorts of information over there. And then there's a filter system where you can... It's just the amount of information you can gather is fantastic. And and starting this year, it's the first full year we're starting the leaderboards. And it's just a lighthearted, fun competition where we gave a point value for each bird. So a mallard, like a mallard drake is five. It was worth five. A blueing teal is worth three. And so based on the value of your bird, we've got a leaderboard. Right now, Jordan is sitting in ninth place with 30 points but uh thomas from virginia outdoor or hoke outdoors now he switched his name <laughs> is in first place so it's just really really fun it's it, we don't take it serious it's just a light-hearted thing a little competition so you can either get that perk at uh patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting or you can just go to hunt stats uh, freelance hunt stats.com and sign up over there if you're not logging your hunt data and keeping track of it, you're really, really missing out. You should be journaling in some form. Awesome. All right. I'd also like to give a big thanks to HDR Innovations. Um, guys, if you haven't checked out HDR Innovations, they have the Marsh Stand. They have the Quack Pack, the Layout 2.0. Um, they got some A-frames in the work as well. Um, but the flagship product for them is definitely the Marsh Stand, guys. Anytime I hunt where I'm standing in cattails, actually, I used it this weekend. But if you're hunting in cattails, you can stick that down in the mud 
put your gun on it, your ammo on it, put a game strap on it with your birds. It's really cool to have everything right in front of you, accessible, out of the water, high and dry. Um, it's really the all-around perfect hunter, perfect item for the hunter that goes in the marshes and just stands and hunts, um, which I know a lot of people do that. A lot of people hunt the swamps that way, hunt the marshes that way. Um, if you can get in the right natural cover, you know, that's, that's the perfect item to bring with you. It weighs less than three pounds, aluminum. It's built strong, American made, um, use code duck gun 10 at checkout guys. And you get 10% off and free shipping. And if you listen to the last podcast we did, um, we had the guys from motion ducks on and it was what such an interesting conversation. And Jordan and I, if you, if you can't tell by now, we fully believe in this product we've used it for two or three i can't remember full years now and i'm telling you the day of the jerk of me cussing and screaming at the jerk rig is over this thing is easy to transport in easy to take out you're not going to get stuck in it your dog's not going to get it wrapped in it and it just looks more realistic it really makes a difference it's a motion ducks decoy spreader and i think we determined that the promo code was what jordan uh, Duck Gun 2020 is the one that's active right now. 10% off, or what, what is it? Free shipping? Uh, t- yeah, 10% uh, off for free shipping. Yeah. yeah. But if well, you don't uh, have it, guys, get it. Awesome. All righty. Um, last but not least, check out banded.com. It is the one stop shop for all the hunting supplies that you need from camo, from dog gear, from blinds, from dog blinds, boat ramps, all kinds of cool stuff over there. Um, you can get it at banded.com. They make some of the best hunting stuff, um, out there as far as my, I love their camo selection. Um, I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like I look a lot cooler when I'm, um, wearing that band of stuff, which, you know, it's not super important, but it definitely feels good. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but one, ch- one more thing I, I forgot to, um, I wanted to mention Josh Thompson over at Patreon. He just signed up recently. Just wanted to give a shout out to Josh and say thank you so much for joining us over at Patreon. I hope that you're enjoying it. Awesome. All righty. So just to to wrap mine up over there, banded.com, guys. One-stop shop for Hunter. It's not too late. Season's starting for a lot of us, but you got time to to get in those last-minute purchases before season comes in. All righty. Let's go ahead and get Ben on for the call. Alrighty, fellas, we are back and we got Ben with us. Ben from Onyx. He is the regional marketing manager over there. Um, how are you doing tonight, Ben? I'm doing fantastic. I'm actually out in eastern Montana and running the dogs and just having a grand old time. Good way to to uh, kick off the hunting season. Awesome. I definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> I definitely am a little jealous of Montana. I've never been out there. Um, but it looks like a beautiful place. Looks like, uh, um, really if you're into hunting at all, I mean, it seems like it has everything you could ask for from, from big game to upland to waterfowl. Um, and it's on my bucket list. So, (laughs) uh, what exactly have you been hunting up there? So I got out here, um, gosh, about three weeks now. And, uh, I've got a young, young pointer right now that I'm just trying to get, uh, get birds under him. So I've been hunting sharp tails and huns right now. Um, but I'll be out here for the next, uh, three weeks. And when North Dakota, when they open for crane season, I'm going to be out chasing cranes and then, uh, probably go home and say, Hey, to the wife for a couple days. So, you know, we keep everything between the beacons there. 
and uh, come back out and, and fish ducks after the opener in Western North Dakota, most likely. <laughs> that sounds like um, that sounds like a lot of fun. I have to say, man, I thought that uh, um, I was giving my wife a rough time with how much I hunt, but I might have to reconsider <laughs> looking at your schedule. <laughs> is uh that's uh, all about it's all about all about uh perspective right yeah oh yeah no i i I hear you on there and uh, it's uh definitely awesome to have someone uh in your life that supports what you do and and you know it seems like you're uh you're getting after it so that's awesome yeah and what 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 seasons are open right now in montana i'm surprised to hear that you're out hunting sharp tails and this early yeah so um you know, the nice thing is generally most states towards the either August 1st or July 15th, kind of depending where you're at, um, they open it up for running, uh, running dogs on birds. So I'll generally come out in the summer and, and run the dogs, kind of get them brushed up. And then September 1st, the sharp tail and Hungarian partridge season opens and sage grouse as well at Montana. Um, North Dakota doesn't open until uh, I think this coming weekend now. So that's the first thing to, first thing to open as well as dogs. And then soon follows uh, Sandhill Cranes in North Dakota. So I'll do that. And then and after that, just a cascade. It's, uh, you, know, <laughs> you, you get into the waterfall season and then it's all downhill from there, right? <laughs> so I've I've done some sharp tail hunting in the sand hills of Nebraska. What is it like in in Montana? Like, what's the terrain like, and how, how do you go about hunting them? What's the strategy? Yeah, so it, the cool thing is it's a very diverse state. Obviously, I mean, you, you from east to west, it goes from um, kind of more of a a little bit of a rolling prairie pothole look to. Um, the central part of the state is just like really rolling, really wide open. And obviously you kind of transition into more of that mountainous region. So really just depends on what part of the state you're in. Um, kind of I'm in East central Montana right now. And it's, it's starting to get on the edge of that sagebrush habitat. And essentially you need big, you know, it, it helps. You don't need but big running dogs that can cover a lot of ground because, Oftentimes the covers are kind of few and far between and, and you need a dog to go uh, kind of stuff out a lot of ground to find those, those uh, groups, coveys of birds. So Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot of fun. I actually grew up doing some upland. Um, I say grew up doing some upland, but I did it like uh, just like once a year with my grandpa who's big into the upland game and he'd keep uh, so four pointers at his house at a time. So that was uh, it was pretty cool. So I can, I can relate with you a little bit on that, even though I'm a, a waterfall guy at heart now. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely super cool. So, um, yeah, let's talk, you I'm, know, I'm really curious to hear about his transition and because you do not hear this very often. We were talking before we came on the air and you said that you've kind of transitioned to from more waterfowl hunter over to more upland game hunter. Can you speak a little bit about how that happened and, and what, what's past, what are you passionate about that caused you to kind of switch your focus a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, really, really growing up, I was loved to waterfall hunt. And I think it's kind of indicative 
um, you know, I was young. I loved the action. I loved, it, it, I mean, I still love it. I guess I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's, it's that action. It's, um, yeah, just decoying birds was, it's so addicting and I still love it to this day. Um, so throughout high school, growing up, always would waterfall hunt. And then, um, what really kind of turned the corner, I guess, in terms of like just mad about hunting ducks is I went, uh, went to school at North Dakota State in Fargo. Pretty, I mean, well, let's be honest. I went there to duck hunt and then get a degree also. So <laughs> that didn't help anything because, uh, you know, for everyone that's hunted in North Dakota, it is a mecca for waterfowl. So I think most years we hunted between 60 and 70 days a year between early goose and a little bit of the regular waterfall season. So um, did a bunch of hunting there. And then I actually moved back to Minnesota for a number of years. And um, it, it, to be honest, it just got, uh, it, it got a little, I shouldn't say lackluster, but um, it wasn't the same as North Dakota, right? I mean, you're used to these epic cornfield mallard shoots and you get on a pothole where, you know, there's thousands of mallards and you go back to Minnesota and it's, it's not the same. <laughs> so I kind of, kind of fell out of it for a little bit. Um, and started duck hunting or started deer hunting a little bit more. And, and that's what I kind of got into for a number of years, just because, um, you know, proximity wise, there were better deer hunting than there was, uh, waterfalling. Um, so I got, you know, did that for a few years. And then I moved down to Mississippi for, for a job. I worked for Primo's hunting down there. And, and obviously that is a, a that area is fantastic for waterfall between Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana. And I actually got my first dog. Uh, she was a, she's a Deutsch Drothar. And, and because the duck hunting was so good down there, we did a ton of it. I mean, it was just a whole new world. And, and that's what really was super interesting for me is um, while you're hunting technically the same birds, it's just a completely different ball game. I mean, between how you hunt them, whether it's in timber, rice, um, moist soil type things, like I just learned a whole lot. And that's really what does it for me is like, if I'm going out and hunting and learning every single time I go out, it was so rewarding. And like, all right, if I didn't do well, it's like, it's on me. And I had to figure out why I didn't do well and, and how to get better. So that really got me back into it. And I did that for a number. Yeah. I mean, for forever, all the years I lived down there, I was just a loved waterfall hunting. Um, got a hunt in this flooded timber and then down in like the marshes of Louisiana, which is just a completely different experience. So that was fun. Um, hey Ben, I want to, I want to stop then, you, you know, for, for a second here. So I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to throw you off the rails cause you're making good headway to, to answer an Elliot's question, but, um, We've yeah. had a couple podcasts in the past where Elliot's been given some Southern hunters some crap. So it sounds like you got a pretty well diverse amount of waterfowl history from, I mean, hunting literally in the Mecca of North Dakota where people might say, I'm, I'm just going to generalize and stereotype what, what waterfowlers might say. They might say that's easier, yep. right? And then you go down to Louisiana and they say, oh, they've, they've, they've hunted ducks all the way. These ducks have been hunted all the way down to the coast. And now they're a lot harder to shoot because they're educated. 
um, spinners don't work, all that kind of stuff. So I want you to take a crack at it, mm-hmm. solve the debate forever, right now. Because, um, oh, yeah. geez, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but give us some insight on there because it sounds like, I mean, you have a lot of experience all the way through that flyway um, from top to bottom. So let, let's kind of hear what your perspective is on that um, because I'm super interested in this, and this is something we've actually been kind of a running subject um, on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I hate to ruin it for you guys all up north, but hands down, hunting in the south is more difficult, without a doubt, in my mind. Um, between, you know, the nice thing up, up in the northern half of the U.S. is access generally is more plentiful, um, especially you talk about North Dakota. I mean, the, the acres per, you know, per capita is just ridiculous. So there's a lot of areas to hunt. You get in the south, a lot of things are leased up. Public land, no doubt, is crowded. Birds are educated. Um, and unless you, you know, unless you have a lot of money for, you know, just flat out and you can have a great duck club, it's harder to freelance duck hunt without a doubt. So, and especially more and more now, you know, with, with things changing and the flyway shifting, um, a lot of those states, like, you know, especially in like the southern delta of Mississippi, Louisiana, and even Arkansas, um, you know, there's just some years you don't have the numbers of ducks anymore. So it just makes it really hard to consistently be on ducks where, let's just take North Dakota, for example, um, you know, you're going to get that solid migration every single year, bar none, because at some point it's going to freeze up. So, um, you have to be you have to be a really good duck hunter to consistently get on birds or have a lot of money and have a duck club. So that's kind of the <laughs> that's kind of the, the you know my opinion on that. Yeah, no, I I definitely I can definitely see that. You know, I, I figured Nebraska is probably like one of the easiest states. You know, um, for getting on ducks, got to throw some shade at Matt, but um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's uh that that's definitely uh you know good to kind of hear your perspective being being a hunter in all those areas. But um, unless you got something to add on to that, Elliot, I'm, I'll let him jump back on to answering your question. No, I don't, I don't have anything, I don't have anything okay. to add. Yeah. The one caveat I will say is, you know, like coming, even coming back to Minnesota um, or Minnesota, Wisconsin is, I think, I still think the duck hunting is generally easier, but the nice thing about it in that, you know, in the Delta area, um, whether it's Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, or whatever, um, it, it kind of that that uh, legacy, and it's very iconic. So that you know, even if you don't shoot that, it's fun down there because um, you know that's actually I don't know if it's the birthplace, but it's just all the stories and all the history down there. It's, it's pretty interesting. So awesome. Well, I will add this, I guess. Um, from all our conversations, the thing I love about the the middle part of the country is like if you live in North Dakota, you're always afraid of the freeze, and if you live down south, yeah, you want the freeze, but a lot of times it doesn't come. So it's like sometimes the birds don't show up, and in North Dakota, sometimes they leave too early. But if you can be in an area where you can ride the ice line, where it's like the birds never fully get south of you, 
And if they if they have most of them do, all you're talking about is a couple south wind days and they're right back there. I just think it's the the best place to live to in that riding that ice line area, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, maybe South Dakota to a point, uh northern Texas even where it's yeah. just, you know, it's you're in that weather zone every single year, you know. I just think is yeah, for it, a place it, to, to live, yeah. it's a great spot. Yeah, it's great because, I mean, granted, you know, you might have a bad week here, but the next week it warms up and all those birds push back north or, you know, they keep a spot open and you can just hammer on them in the field off that roots for weeks on end. And, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that is a cool area. And, and that's one area I do personally just want to explore more um, because, you know, you get the longevity of the season and, yeah, it's just different. And that's for, for me, again, it's just learning and doing different things that kind of really trips my trigger. Oh yeah, for sure. There's definitely a, there's, there's not enough time in the year and days in the year to, to get out to all the different States that I want to hunt. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, let's, yeah, we, 100%. We, we took a crazy rabbit trail there, so I'm sorry I derailed it, but we we're talking, talking a little bit about kind of your history and transitioning into Upland. So I'll, I'll let you back on that trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we ended up in Mississippi and, and like I said, uh, that was fantastic. So many things to learn. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up pheasant hunting, so grew up bird hunting and it was just, I kind of had that calling again where it was, you know, we took every year we'd take a trip to when I was living in South, we'd take a trip to North Dakota and hunt ducks and then go to South Dakota and hunt pheasants or go to South Dakota and hunt, um, sharpies or prairie chickens. And, and I really, like, I don't know what it was, but just, again, I think it's just that learning, like, all right, like there's, there's a lot of new species, a lot of new things to do. And it kind of just grabbed a hold of me. And I was like every year just added a couple more trips again and again. And, and then I got more dogs, more dog power type deal. I never stopped duck hunting at all, but um, uh, it, it was just from coming from a Midwest pheasant hunter, there is a lot of a lot of open ground to learn and try new species. And I felt like um, with duck hunting and, and waterfowling in general, uh, obviously there's a lot I haven't done, but it was like, oh, this is a lot of green pasture, so this is pretty interesting, and I started heading that way a little bit more awesome definitely uh definitely can understand that you know um it's always fun to learn and new and and do new things kind of like what you're saying with the duck hunting in mississippi and it's just kind of the next step the next evolution of of you as a hunter you know learning more of the the different different things you haven't done for upland so that's that's pretty cool um i definitely hope for some point in my my career as a duck hunter that I uh, get get on some more upland because where I'm at in Indiana, there's just uh, there's like zero opportunity. So <laughs> unfortunate on the upland part. But yeah, yeah that, exactly. That kind of leads us to uh, you know, um, talk after talking about uh, your your life as a hunter. You know, um, when did you start getting involved with Onyx? So I uh, you know I had been a Onyx user for years because. Um, once it, once it came out, and especially when I traveled with Midwest to go on waterfowl, it was just invaluable. Um, I can't imagine doing it without it. And I'd used it for years and 
um, the opportunity came where I could move back to the Midwest and, um, you know, work in the area that I absolutely love. You know, I love, love big game hunting for sure, but, uh, waterfowling and, and hunting upland birds is my passion. So I had the opportunity to take a, a job with Onyx and, uh, and really just, it, it's great because it's, it's a place I grew up in in the Midwest and I kind of represent our Midwest customer as well as, uh, you know, the waterfowlers and, and upland hunters across the country and, making sure that the app is is what they need um you know features that would be helpful to them and and push that along because waterfalling and upland it's you know they're big segments of our, our population and it means personally i'm really passionate about it so i want to drive it as well oh yeah definitely agree kind of kind of reiterating your, your kind of your first your first statement is that and you know um, I can definitely agree with as a duck hunter, um, it's so invaluable to be able to, at the palm of your hands, be able to, to see location data and, and, um, you know, just thinking about plat books and all that kind of stuff makes me, <laughs> makes me want to start a fire, you know, oh. burn that stuff up. Cause, um, it's, it's just, it's like you said, it's invaluable to be able to do that, especially, you know, your style sounds like a lot of freelancing and getting around and, um, you know, it's one thing if you already know the area, but, um, if you don't know the area, man. Yeah, it's you're up a creek without a paddle. Yeah, I, I don't miss the days of coffee and tobacco stained flat foot. <laughs> um, that's thirty dollars a pop, right? Yep. Yep, and you know, countless counties and, and states and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, yeah. How long, exactly. how long has Onyx app been out? I know I've only, I've been using it really hardcore the last two years. How how many years has it been uh, going? So Onyx was uh, founded in 2009, and it, it really started with um, our founder, Eric Sigfried. He had this, this idea that, you know, especially for Western, I mean, it was Western big game, and, you know, there's just this mosaic of private and public land, and there might not be a fence. So you could take one step, and you are on a piece of private land, and you know, you're trespassing at that point. So he started making uh, GPS, like you take a look for Garmin. So he would, he made these GPS chips that would have private and private land or public land boundaries. And from there, it really kind of took off. Like it, it, it became big. And then I think it was, um, I want to say it was about seven years ago now that, uh, that we launched the app and that really springboarded everything because now you don't have to have a GPS. Um, it's all on your phone. And that's when things really took off because of, because of the accessibility. People don't realize younger guys, what an advantage it is because before to find a landowner, you were either knocking on doors or there was a department, at least this is in Kansas, there was a department at the courthouse that you could call and you'd have to carefully describe to them where it is and you'd have to find the parcel number. I mean, it was really, really difficult to to find a landowner before. And guys that had just like gotten into waterfowl hunting just using this thing, they have no idea what uh, what 
how much more successful you can be in your hunting, not just finding landowners, but sharing pins with friends. I mean, we share pins in our group all the time. And I mean, I used to use Google images in 2007. I started using Google images, just Google. And back then, Mm -hmm. I don't think that many people even did that. And because you just had to get your feet on the ground. And from 2007 to now, what the product you guys have now, it's, it's unbelievable how much more efficient you can be with everything you're doing with it. It's really incredible. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you pull up, you pull up to a field and all right, there's birds in a field or a pothole. And it's like, all right, well, what would you do with today? I'm going to go try to find the closest neighbor, right? The closest mm-hmm. farmhouse to there and start asking. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you look at the app and you look at the landowners, it's like, um, it's like, all right, well, this landowner lives in California. This one lives, you know, let's just say we're in Montana where I'm at now. It's in California, Western Montana. This guy lives 20 miles north. And yeah, yeah it's just like you said, it, it, it's a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Well, I was, I was on it last year and we were on public and there was this private, we were waterfowling right beside it. And all the ducks were on this private and, and we did pretty well. I mean, we came close to shooting a limit, but the X was on the private. So I pulled up on X, I found the name and I couldn't really get a phone number. I mean, I was struggling. So I looked the name up on Facebook and messaged through Facebook on my phone, got a hold of the owner. Now I got a no, but it's just (laughs) that having that quick access to the name itself opens up just so many doors. Oh, yeah. Wow. Otherwise, I mean, you just whether you get a yes or no, it's like you just spend a lot of time essentially beating around the bush, right? Yeah. And yeah. when you could be, you know, hitting the road and and, and trying to find the next X. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm I'm one of those younger guys, Elliot, that you've been talking talking about, and I've used it a, a little bit longer than you because I'm I'm more of a, a a technology guy. And when I first started, man, and and people are telling me about plat books and all that, I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like that's really this that's how this works. <laughs> So it wasn't long that I kind of looked into trying to find, you know, a better system. So, um, and that's, that's what Onyx is. And even tonight, it's like, you guys are talking about it and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a dove field to hit up some, some doves and I'm driving by, I see it. The doves are in the field. I click on Onyx. I I go to the right farm because you can see right there who owns it. And I got a yes. So, (laughs) um, you know, not, not super hard to get permission for doves, but you know, um, live action right there, getting getting the permission. So it's it's uh definitely uh pays it pays in, in in dividends during duck season. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about um let's go ahead and jump right into the lightning round, Ben. So um this is sure. something that we used to do a lot on the podcast. Honestly, we um you know we do it a lot with with new people on the podcast. We have a new guy on a podcast. It's quick questions with quick answers and helps us to get to know you better as a waterfowl hunter. And a lot of these questions are catered towards waterfowl, but if you want to throw in kind of upland stuff uh, alongside it, feel free. But um, first off, what kind of gun do you shoot? So I shoot. Um, probably my favorite gun is a it's a Browning Gold three and a half inch hunter. I've had it for, I think my grandma and grandpa gave it to me for, I think it was first communion. I've shot it for waterfall for the last oh, 16 years. He's a sweetheart. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Is it 12 gauge or 20? 
12 gauge. 12 yep. gauge. And uh, your preferred uh, your preferred shot size for ducks? So I had for for the longest time, you know, obviously everything everything was steel. Um, so I would shoot. I was a pretty hardcore in North Dakota, especially. You know, we'd hunt duck geese. So I'd shoot number ones for the combo. But recently, with uh, you know the advancements and top of plate business, um, hardcore threes and fives blend guy now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then for geese, what do you, what, what shell, uh, or what a uh, shot size do you shoot? Uh, BB, BB for steel and, uh, number threes in, in like a non-talk. Okay, cool. And, um, what size or what, what type of choke are you running for your waterfowl hunts? So I, uh, so there was a guy back in, in, in Fargo that it was his great killer choke. He was a tiny little, like, I mean, a tiny, tiny shop. And he used to custom make choke tubes. Uh, he'd bring the gun in, mic your barrel. So the day I was going up for orientation in college, I had, like, I was going to Fargo. I brought my gun out and dropped it off with expectations that when I got up to school, I was going to be able to, uh, you know, pick this choke tube up that was custom for my gun. And I think, unfortunately, he's out of business. Um, but I still have that choke tube in my Browning and, and ah, it's so great. Otherwise, you know, I'm a, I'm a factory full guy and I love, love what, uh, you know, there's a number of aftermarket choke tubes now that, that do fantastic. So. Awesome. Ellie, am I forgetting any, I forget, I forget, I feel like, oh, I, I remember Your favorite what, type of favorite, yeah. favorite type yeah. of habitat to duck hunt in. There we go. So favorite type of habitat. Um, oh, that's that's a tough one. I, I still think it's the nostalgia kind of wins, and I love that prairie pothole region, um, and especially love it on a wet year when you have like flooded, not too flooded, but like flooded edges of fields, and um, you know you pick this area that's maybe twenty yards wide, flooded corner of a bean field, say. And every single duck wants to be right in that little area. Like it, to me, it doesn't get any better than that. Awesome. I was half expecting to hear the timber because we get that one a lot as the answer, but <laughs> it's good to have some variety. Somebody that uh, doesn't just say the timber because Ellie and I both really haven't hunted timber a lot. I haven't hunted it at all. Um, but Ellie, have you hunted timber yet? No, not like your traditional um, Arkansas timber. Yeah. yeah. N- not like Matt's timber videos or whatever, but, um, yeah, the real Apple stuff trees in Nebraska's <laughs> timber hunting there's, there's a tree there. It's timber hunting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> um, am I, is that, is that, do you think that's all the lightning round questions, Elliot? Yeah. I think that covers it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I guess, you know, one, one other question too, kind of, um, on there is if you have a dream hunt for, for waterfowl, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, recently, oh yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously the one that really sticks out in my mind would be to go up to Alaska and hunt, hunt, hunt sea ducks like Harleys and Eiders. Um, that would be awesome. But, but to be honest, more and more, I would love just to, you know, go up with my dad. Um, when I grew up, we used to obviously hunt North Dakota, and he would take me out there and 
And, you know, every chance I get to hunt with him, go out there and, and repay the favor. And he still loves it. And go do like, just, I mean, when, when I grew up, it was the simpler things, right? It wasn't giant decoy trailers, probably just like you guys. It was like, all right, we go out with a, a duck boat and maybe two dozen decoys and we go hunt. And to, to go with him and just sit on a pothole for a morning and shoot half a dozen ducks like that, that is my dream hunt. That, that's really it. To go and do that and, and repay that favor and, and spend time with him would be the, um, the dream. Oh, yeah. That's definitely what it's all about, you know, uh, things like that and the memories you make and um, you know, you know, time, time is fleeting when it comes to stuff like that. And, and it's like you said, every chance you get, um, the, those hunts are awesome. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and talk about, you got any exciting plans kind of um, coming up on on X? Is there anything in the works that you can let us in on? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the really cool thing that helps us, especially for, um, you know, the Midwest, uh, central part of the u.s is what we launched recently it's the uh, cropland data layer so if you're going to a new place you've never been before it will show you you turn on that data layer and it will show you all of the corn all the beans all the wheat canola pretty much whatever crop you want to see and it'll show you what was planted last year. So if you have a basic understanding of, of crop rotations, like take, for example, corn, um, you know, generally corn is hard on the soil and, and a farmer won't plant it year after year. So you can deduce what is essentially going to be there the following year. Um, so if it's corn, it might be beans. That's pretty much how it goes. Corn, beans for a while, and then back to corn. Um, but, but really for the way I use it is if I'm going to a new area, like, uh, I'm all here in, in Montana and there's just so much wheat and I could turn on core, that corn data layer, that cropland data layer. And I could see, all right, well, it looks like all of this corn is along the river and I could turn on my public land layer and my, um, let's just say a plot management layer or depending what state you're in, Weha plots, whatever. And I could say, all right, well, this cornfield is along the river and it's public. And, you know, all right, well, there's a ton of corn plant along this corridor. So I know that when those birds start migrating, odds are they're going to end up in this region because there's a lot of, there's a lot of corn versus wheat. So that is something that has really made a difference for when I'm going to go do out of state hunts. I don't have to you know, make guesswork because for example, you come up to Western North Dakota and you're looking for a good migration hunt, looking for corn, like you're just not going to find it. All those birds are going to go further south towards, um, you know, the big lakes, the corn fields along the Missouri river. So, um, for some guy that wants to plan an out of state hunt, it is, it's huge. Awesome. Yeah. That definitely, uh, seems like, uh, it seems like, you know, your way around the app, very well so that's a that's a cool feature for sure i saw another one kind of um you guys just released too that that's really cool for for places like north dakota um but having that electronic um the electronic marking i'm not saying it right post yeah. electronic yep, posting electric, yep 
So that, that definitely yeah, so seems, you know, go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let go you go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, was going to say, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so, uh, with the, with the electronic, like the electronic explosive layer, um, if you're not familiar with North Dakota, this is kind of an anomaly where uh, I think it's North Dakota and Maine. I think there might be one other state where essentially if it's unposted, you can hunt it. So if you're going to North Dakota, um, traditionally in the past, um, if it wasn't posted uh, X amount of feet or on the corners, you could legally access it without getting permission. And that's changed this year where um, it gives the landowners the option of posting land uh, electronically. So you can go on the Game and Fish website and look at it. But we've also added that layer into Onyx. And like, uh, if you hunt North Dakota, you just like flat out, you need to have it because it is so invaluable to show you, you know, where you can hunt, where you can't hunt. And especially if you're going there for the first time, um, there's areas such as like uh, the Devil's Lake area or you go look at, you know, uh, kind of on that I-94 corridor, there is so much land where it looks really good on the map, but when you, in reality, when you go there, all of the land is posted. And it, that's reflected on that e-posting layer. So um, that's something that is, is, is really kind of takes it above and beyond. Oh, yeah. So that's uh that's definitely awesome. You got any you got any other other things to add, kind of on the exciting updates for the future? You know, you guys were talking about sharing and how much you like that, and and we have got some really cool things in the works for sharing. Where if you hunt with a group of buddies, let's just say you guys all duck hunt together, where um, you know your map is essentially going to be dynamic, and and um, you know, I hunt with this group of buddies. I hunt with that group of group of buddies in this state, and you're going to be able to kind of manage all of that together. Because obviously, you know, some guys you might not want to share your hometown spot, but you guys all, you know, go to to North Dakota together or to to Missouri or something like that, and you can kind of plan dynamically with each other. So that's something in the works that's going to be really awesome. Um, like and a shared document kind sharing. of thing, where every, everyone can access yeah. it at once and manipulate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very, very similar to that. So it'll be very collaborative. Um, you'll be able to, like, whatever you want to share, you'll essentially be able to share. So. Oh, yeah. Is that going to be, what's the the timeline for that? I'm thinking about our Flyways collab um, this year in, in Nebraska, and that'd be cool, but <laughs> I don't know if you'll have it out or not. Yeah, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be ready for you guys. So awesome. That's great to hear. Um, so let's, let's go ahead. Let's, um, do you have any, um, awesome plans for hunting season this year? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very busy year. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I kind of September, I'll be kind of splitting time between Montana and North Dakota between upland birds and cranes. And then, um, October, uh, I'll be kind of bumming around mostly hunting grouse. I, like I said, I, when I lived in Mississippi, obviously that's a long way from like rough grouse country. So I'll be up uh-huh. there doing that. And then after that, I'm going to, 
you know, I think it was spent some time in Oregon hunting chucker and hunting ducks, the migration through Oregon. And then after, you know, when you get into December, January, I'm going to probably spend a month down in, in the south chasing ducks in my old stomping ground. So. How do you how do you decide um, with all these options? You, I mean, you literally are all over the board, and it's awesome. But how do you decide? Because it sounds like you got, <laughs> I mean, you're uh, Oregon, Mississippi, North Dakota. I mean, you can't go any further apart. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's nice because, uh, um, you know, I I I've like I've had the opportunity to go do a bunch of stuff, and and um, it's it's really about the people you meet and again opportunities that I haven't experienced I've never been out to Oregon doing that um, so and I really want to learn about you know the people that let's just say that waterfall hunt in Oregon or the waterfall people that hunt in Ohio or Pennsylvania whatever you I want to learn how you do it because I can guarantee you the way we hunt in Minnesota North Dakota is way different than that so how do we make the app better for you and the way you hunt and really you can talk to a lot of people but until you experience it it's kind of hard to understand and and so that's my goal with that is to get out meet people understand how they use the app and then essentially make it better and help you be more successful awesome all right ellie you got you get I do. I, I, I don't ever meet people that prairie chicken hunt. So I want to talk to you about that for just a little bit. So I grew up in central yeah. Kansas and we hunted pheasant quail. My uncle had a, had a Brittany, a little pointer dog. Um, and I was real little at the time, but as I got into junior high and high school, my dad and I started hunting prairie chickens. It, it became our favorite thing to hunt. And I'm curious whether you've ever heard of this style of hunting. Now, and as a dog guy, you Probably wouldn't be very fond of it, but the way that we hunted prairie chickens, and we had a, a really, really nice population of of prairie chickens at that time in the state. It's kind of dwindled now, but we would find that they would they would fly out of so we had the CRP grassland hills, and they would fly out of the hills down into milo fields and and wheat fields to feed, and we figured out that they became very habitual about what field they were feeding in. And the times they would fly in in the morning and in the evening. And, and you could count them based on sunlight by almost to the minute. So if it were sunny out, they would fly. Typically, I think the time was about 435. And in the morning, they would fly right at sunup. So we would position ourselves in the fields and just let them fly in big flocks to us. And it was not easy. The success rate was really low, but it was really fun. And sometimes... We would see flocks of, I remember one time we had a flock of about a hundred that, that came right over us coming into the field. Have you ever heard of anyone hunting prairie chickens like that? Oh, for sure. Like that was, (laughs) that was really my experience like early on. That's how you heard about it. Awesome. Yeah. So I am, and and if it's, if it's legal and it works, like I am all about it. And that's what I did growing up. So heck yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't shoot, we did not shoot very many in that, that way. But I can tell you when you would see that flock of prairie chickens coming out of those grass hills, cause you know, they've got that unique way of flying. It's like flapping really fast and glide and, and they're so fast. Mm -hmm. You'd see a flock of 25 to 50 coming right at you. And it, it was just 
it was just absolutely thrilling that moment you'd see him. And the last year we did it because we lost, we lost access to this property and I moved off to college and everything. But the last year that we did it, we found these two gaps in the tree in this hedgerow that they would come through almost every single time. And that last year we were about 500% more successful because they would just come through these gaps. And <laughs> man, I I really, really, and I miss it. I, I, it was so much fun. What a cool bird. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, gosh, it just brings, like you just talking about it brings back off the memory. So, um, yeah, God, I'm all about it. Love it. <laughs> but really they, I mean, they, we would, we would live about 25, um, minutes from the field section. They would come in and they were so consistent on the time that they would come in that if we knew it was like sunny out specifically, it was really easy. Once you got shades of gray, it was harder. We would we could show up 15 minutes ahead of time, run out in the field and sit. I mean, it was like crazy how habitual they were on, on the time that they would come flying out of the fields. It was really, really cool. So really like all right, here's a here's a hot take here. Decoying upland birds. Huh. That would be that would be super interesting. You go in a field, put a dozen pheasant decoys or prairie chicken decoys. You forgot like, your uh, your pheasant spinner, talking. right? Your pheasant spinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to well, see no that. Joke. They're going to outlaw that. They're going to outlaw that right away. Oh, man. <laughs> My uncle made a bunch of prairie chicken silhouettes for us because he thought oh, really? he had the idea that, hey, if they're coming into these fields why not have silhouettes up for him? And I don't remember why I know that we set them up and used them once and we must've decided it. I don't know why we didn't use them more, but we did have about, I think it was a couple dozen prairie chicken silhouette uh, decoys that we did try to use a couple times. I think you're, I think you're onto something. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. We're going to talk later. We'll have to go into business and lose a bunch of money together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, I think this is probably good, a pretty good place to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, I want to say, Ben, really appreciate you coming on and and sharing your insight. It sounds like you have a a wide variety of waterfowl um, knowledge from different places in the country. And honestly, I think we could have multiple podcasts talking about those different places. Um, and, and the different styles of hunting and all that. And that'd be, that'd be super interesting, but we really appreciate you coming on tonight and, and, and sharing your insight and knowledge on the podcast. You got any, uh, kind of, uh, closing thoughts or anything you want to kind of add on here at the end, Ben? Yeah. Well, I just, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I'm honored that you thought of me and, and appreciate the relationships we have and, and look forward to, to, to continue in the future. So, um, and everyone out there that is, uh, that's getting out or, or maybe new to the sport. My one piece of advice is go out and try something. Go just because you don't know how to do it, go out and do it. The worst thing that can happen is you watch the sunrise over a marsh or over a field and you don't shoot any ducks. You don't see any ducks, but Hey, it's better than waking up and going to work. (laughs) Amen to that. Oh yeah, definitely agree. Elliot, you got any closing words? Yep. Nope. Just appreciate you coming on here. It's really, it's, it's really fun to talk to someone that's so varied in everything you hunt. So loved having you on. Well, I, uh, I, I hope we can catch up at some point this season and, and 
regardless, I hope you guys both have a have a great season and and uh, get on some birds, learn some things. So awesome! Alrighty, fellas, I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Ben from Onyx, and we'll see you guys on the next one.